I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest on today's episode is Lacey Merrick Conway, the president and CEO of Ladder and Bloom, a real estate brokerage that's been in business in Louisiana for more than 100 years. Conway grew up around the company. Her father, Bob Merrick, was its longtime CEO, and she took the reins in January. Today, we're going to talk about how much Louisiana real estate has changed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Lacey Merrick Conway, thanks for being here. Yes, happy to be here. So with everything going on out there, why are we in a seller's market right now? We've had quite a few factors that have contributed to this frenzy of activity. You know, this COVID effect has really put a spotlight on the home. Um, You know, you add that to low interest rates, low inventory, and we are just, we've been on a fast track with fast pace of lots of activity in all of our markets. So it's, people are just stuck at home? People are stuck at home, you know, and I think when you're at home and now that you're working at at home, teaching your kids at home, you know, you want more outside space, you want a pool. You know, it's just this move towards maybe some factors that would have been a deal killer before are a deal maker now. Right. Um, you know, you're more willing to drive five, 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, you want those luxuries. If you are at home for so long, um, you want to be outside. You know, you want to have sort of even multi-generational activities for everybody in the privacy of your home. And why is inventory, why is inventory low? I, you know, I think it's just this whole idea of you're at home so much has pushed people to make decisions on, okay, I've always wanted this, I'm going to go get it. Um, we, you know, we are in an environment where we have, you know, homes that are attractive to so many people, um, whether it's the affordability. Um, we are, you know, we have always won the day with the fact that we are a desirable place to live. Um, you know, it's, I would say though, it's in certain pockets. It's not like every block, every neighborhood is just, oh God, there's no inventory. Um, but it is tight. That has just been one of the factors contributing to this. Okay, if it, if it goes on the market, you need to act. Give us a sense of like, yeah, who, which neighborhoods are, are hopping and... We actually recently just looked at um, a couple markets. And when you look at, sometimes I, I have to laugh because when you talk about greater New Orleans, it can be very deceiving because, you know, things on the West Bank would not resonate as much maybe as things on the North Shore. I mean, it's just, we live in a very specific, almost block to block sort of um, environment. But I would say um, the North Shore, Gosh, we pulled a stat the other day. I think in August, the pendings were up 70% August, you know, 19 over 20. Unbelievable. So for us, it's just a good indicator of the appetite and the temperature when you see so many people out there writing contracts. Okay, so you got low inventory. You got pe- people at home uh, thinking, I need to exercise here. I need to be out in the garden. So people are uh, are trying to move into bigger places. What what are what are the opportunities for people right now? What what's the if you're a homeowner right now or a home buyer? What's the smart way to approach this this unique moment? I just feel like all the the factors are right. I mean, with in, interest rates so low, it's just it's just pushing people to make that move. Right. Um, and I think one thing that's interesting as well is, 
so many people talk about millennials, you know, that are just living in a basement, they're renting. I think even the COVID effect is pushing them to mature in a way. Okay. It's just, it's, it's getting people to make those moves. Okay, so obviously you guys, the majority of your business is residential? The majority. You know, I'd say it breaks out to, you know, 80% of our business is really residential, 20% commercial. Okay, so for Ladder and Bloom, this is a good situation. Yes, a great situation. You know, and I think, you know, if I had to look at a crystal ball or, you know, what, what do we feel about this? I, it's been so exciting, you know, and it seems like, I, I said the word frenzy before, but it's just the pace has been so fast where... You know, it is exciting to see people wanting to be here and wanting to buy homes. And I, I don't necessarily think it's um, people moving out of, you know, condos. And there is that element always, right. but you know, I feel like it's opening up the 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 timing for people maybe that want to downsize. There is a larger market that maybe want to buy that bigger house. So it, it's just for us, yes, it's exciting. Um, it's it's thrilling. I don't think it's going to continue at this pace for too much longer. I mean, we have the election, you know, how long will interest interest rates stay the same? You know, we have this just looming uncertainty with really it's a global issue um, that we're dealing with. So, you know, you talked about pendings, you know, and I know internally we can look at how many contracts have been written. Pendings are still very strong through September, um, October, but I think towards the end of the year, We'll, we'll see a little cool off. Okay, so so maybe this this quote unquote frenzy lasts through twenty twenty and I think we'll so. I think so. I just you know you have to um, acknowledge what's going on in the wider world, and I think okay. for us, I mean, I know my gosh, you know, we are so heavy on um, tourism, restaurants, all of that is hurting so badly that at some point there is going to be a reckoning. Well, that's the thing, and I'll jump ahead and come back to some other other questions, but. It seems like it's disconnected from the reality downtown right now with hotels at yes. single-digit occupancy. You've got the restaurant industry just on its knees. There's no meetings. There's nothing going on. So it's it, to me, I feel like there's a tension almost between the, yes. the, the housing demand versus what's happening in the city itself. Yes, but and I have to say, though, it's, it is so nice that we do have a bright spot in this whole disaster. Right. Um, so I think we kind of hang on to that as okay. well, you know, and it's not, one of the things that we found too, is it's not specific to uh, a certain price range. It's not like, oh man, the high end is just, you know, out of control. Okay. It There's a nice distribution of activity. So that's another bright spot. What is out there? Like what is the, what's the stuff that's available for sale right now? The largest lack of inventory. And I know we'd mentioned, you know, Metairie, not much to buy there. But when we talk about uh, parts of New Orleans, there is still some inventory, you know, and it has always been the case that, um, you know, when houses are priced well and they're um, in a desirable neighborhood, you're probably going to get it sold, you know. And one of the other bright spots that we're seeing too is that for the most part, sellers are are getting pretty close to what they're asking for their homes, which is another great thing. Um, so just something else to add to the mix. Yeah, I saw on your report, I think it was people are getting 95%, is that what yes. it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, sales price to ask price. Um, so that's encouraging. How much does that number waver? Like when, if it's a buyer's to seller's market, how, how much lower can that number get? You know, I, I don't, I can't recall a time where I felt like, oh my God, you know, Rich, we've just, you know, fallen to this, you know, the lowest point I've ever seen. But you can tell, I mean, it, it you know, even I would say, 80% would be low. I mean, then you know people are, I mean, what's happening here? You know, but you would have in other indicators like 
days on market. Um, how many months of inventory do we have right. in a certain price ranges, which is a good indicator of, you know, obviously something could be off. Okay. And, and if something's sitting and sitting, it's because it's probably overpriced? Probably overpriced. Um, yes. You know, and if, if somebody's showing the house and nobody's writing, you might need to adjust the price. Okay. Yeah. I was reading something, it was maybe in the New York Times, about uh, the demand in the suburbs and also the exurbs, which I had to look up. <laughs> that's like that. That's like the, oh. the the pretty small towns on the outskirts of New York, yes. within a, a couple of hours drive of the city, and so that that stuff is booming up there. Is, is that sort of what you're talking about here too, where people in Metairie and then beyond? Or? You know, I think for us, we you know we're not like a New York where people have to go you know to the Hamptons or something to really get out of the city. Right. I think we've always had a pretty healthy market in. Greater New Orleans, even given the you know diversified areas that we have, Metairie, the North Shore, the West Bank, I, I you know it's not as extreme as in other areas uh, of the nation. Um, right. But one interesting little factoid that you know the National Association of Realtors does you know studies of every month you know kind of what's the activity. I feel like throughout this as well. I think the South in general. You know, I think for July of 2020. When you look at the nation and what the sales were, 44% of those were in the South. So I think this whole COVID experience has just people that don't have to work in New York or San Francisco, you know, we're, we're actually a pretty cool place to live, you know, and even in the South, you know, just that ability to be outside, you know, a little more land, um, you know, your kids, your grandparents, just making those adjustments. Well, I was interviewed a, a guy who's opening a brewery on Oak Street at Oak Street Brewery. Uh, and he came from maybe Colorado, but maybe originally West Coast, like San Francisco, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's that same thing. He and his wife moved here. She got a job here, and they're they're um, they were able to buy a lot more. And he started this business all because they were kind of coming to a different economy. Yes, and we've seen that. You know, even with some rentals, you know, people that now this has just opened up maybe a chance for them to test the waters, or you know, have always wanted to live in New Orleans or the Marini or wherever it is, that now they're willing to go ahead and try it. You know, if I don't have to work in my office, wherever, we're actually kind of a, on the map now. Okay, well, uh, are you selling properties to people who, say, live in California or on the coast and are, and are buying here to invest and buying here as a second home or because their child's at school, that kind of thing? I, I think initially when COVID hit, I do feel like some, most, not most, but a good amount of our sales, unfortunately, were people that have, that bought second homes or, you know, houses in the French Quarter, whatever it is, right when COVID hit, that got scared and said, I really don't need that extra whatever it is. So I'm going to list it and just, you know, uh, hang tight for a little while and wait it out. So I, but I do think New Orleans has always been on the radar of, you know, other places just because we are such a unique culture. Um, right. I know, you know, back when we had filming industry here, my gosh, I feel like we had so many sales from people right. from the West Coast, East Coast. Most um, of them were Nicolas Cage, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you own like every every building in the French Quarter. I know. Um, okay, so you said in, in an, on another interview that I saw prepping for this that summer is, is like the new spring. It's just, I I feel like the market just naturally shifted. We, we hit the brakes, I think so hard, February, March, you know, and everybody normally when we have so much activity, you know, whether it's, you know, kids are out of school and people want to move and just get it done in the summer, you know, springtime traditionally has been a very active period for us. And it just, because it seemed like 
it, it just shifted. If you just looked at the timing of everything, it just basically went over two months and exploded. I understand. So yeah. in 2020, the summer is like the spring because yes. everything hit pause. Yes. Understood. Okay. Last question about residential stuff is, are, how do I know we're not in a bubble? It's a good question. And I, I mean, honestly, if you, if you told me, you know, looking at the market, whether it's, you know, short term, long term, for the short term, I would have to say, yes, we are in a bubble. Um, I, again, I don't think we're, we can keep up with this pace, with the amount of activity. Um, and I just feel like those, again, headwinds of an election, so much uncertainty, so much unemployment, um, you know, big looming issues. Um, it, it, we're we're going to slow down. Understood. So... Switching over into some other concerns, you guys deal with some multifamily residential stuff, apartments. Yes. So what are you seeing, what are people doing to address the eviction crisis? Mm. Oh, man. And, I, you know, I definitely think that this topic could be its own podcast unto itself. You know, and I feel like just acknowledging this it's, is a major issue. Um, and I think... You know, I think everybody feels for tenants and landlords. I mean, throughout this, you know, global crisis, you know, a lot of these owners still have taxes, insurance, things that they need to take care of. So I guess I have to rely on um, local, federal, larger minds than mine um, that we're willing to be a part of the solution. But I mean, at the moment, you just have to acknowledge that, oh, my God, I mean, this is this is bad. Right. And it's, again, one of those factors that might affect Yes. The other side of things on the residential side. It just all ripples down. So uh, what is happening on the commercial side with the retail office and hotel folks? You know, I feel like there was already sort of a a reckoning of sorts with retail. But like you said, people ordering online. I mean, I think a lot of these companies have asked themselves those questions well before COVID. How much space do we need? What does it look like? What are we doing? Um, Office, you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a lag with us feeling the real impacts of what's happening. I think a lot of companies are still trying to assess how many people do we really need here? What does the space look like? Um, you know, I think for new tenants, if you're out looking for office space, I mean, obviously you're building in a lot more flexibility with that lease. You know, they want, you know, to get out clauses. Um, so I think there's going to be a lag with office space for sure. I mean, you know, those leases are somewhat long-term, you know, when they come up and do, then we'll start seeing who really says, I don't need it, I'm out. Right, I'm wondering if it's a thing where you jump ahead three years and we'll be saying, hey, remember when we thought office was gonna change forever? Right. And then it went back to like it was? I, I, I think there are definitely still people on both sides of the fence. You know, people will say, well, I've worked from home and, you know, when, when companies look at productivity, you know, is that is that, is it good, is it sustainable? Um, you know, also with, you know, social distancing, people will say, well, is it that we're going to need the same amount of space, but less people, you know, with offices being larger and, right. you know, more, de- who knows? I think they're champions on each side. <laughs> I interviewed some commercial real estate people early on and, uh, and the, the, the optimistic thought then was, well, because of the virus, we've been overpacking all these buildings for so long. Oh, yeah. We're going to need to spread out, and everyone's going to need more square footage. That oh was the argument. Gosh. I thought, all right, that's that's, that's a that's a oh strong shot. But you know, it's funny. Like I would say, on, like on a personal note too, it it might be even generational. Like I joke, and I'm sure my dad will hear this podcast. But I mean, if I'm not at my desk sitting next to him, like I'm not working. Like right. you can't work when you're not at your desk. I mean, it's like <laughs> not really. But so well, right, and and again. Um, 
I, I do think that in a, for certain industries, the change is going to be permanent, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, close to home for us with real estate as well. I mean, like you look at Zillow. I mean, they basically said everybody works from home for the next, you know, don't come back till 2022 or whatever. Just that's it. Okay, so on the office side, I guess the answer is we're going to wait and find out. We're going to wait and find out. Yeah. Uh, once the leases are up and we'll see how, how what people are, what each yes. individual professional service provider in these towers downtown decides to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you guys work with any hotels? We do. We actually have a dedicated hospitality division. Um, we track it. We watch it. We counsel. Um, so I just, unfortunately, I know back to those um, sad stories. I mean, the hotel world, I mean, just hammered. Right. So I, you know, clearly the loser in this situation. Across all these different sectors of the economy, there have been obvious losers, restaurants. And then there's these surprise winners like uh, uh, garden centers or <laughs> or uh, bike shops. They're doing better than they were. Um and so it, there's no telling, right? You don't know how it's yes. going to shake out. So as you look at all these challenges, are you starting to identify winners and losers? And are there like these genius investors Gosh. that are about to make well, moves? I, you know, this is a tough one because I think anybody would say um, the only thing certain really is the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we are clearly not out of the woods. I, you know, I think everybody is sort of at that point where no one's really wanting to make any long-term decisions. I mean, right. to me... The people who are winning, I say at the moment, maybe with a star, and I don't know what that timeline is, residential, right, multifamily, industrial, uh, warehousing, you know, just we, we touched on even like logistics, you know, we're, we're a port city, we've got great connectivity with rail and all of that. It's our strong suit. So I feel like we will win the day with that. Um, that's kind of been uninterrupted. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that there's any sector in particular that is just completely unscathed or just ma- is, is going to make it out um, untouched. I mean, everybody's going to feel the effects of this. And I think part of the challenge is that this sort of seismic, you know, tectonic, massive shift going on is just we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. So we would have to see what happens in that mm-hmm. in that category. And then it's the unfortunate, you know, the trickle down effect where some of these hotels have had to lay off. I mean, massive number of employees um it just it yeah i mean it's we're gonna we're gonna feel some big big waves and big uh you know effects from it right as right now the relief bills are stuck and we've got a few more weeks of that smaller boost in unemployment and then it's going to be another scary moment so as as far as investors you know if if you get a call from somebody who wants to buy real estate what, what are those guys thinking right now Gee, I, you know, it, it would all really depend on their appetite for risk, geographic preference. To me right now, just like I said before, it's like everything feels risky. Um, right. You know, I just think this whole episode with COVID has just turned most everything inside out. Um, right. Things that you thought were kind of set it and forget it. No way this could ever get disrupted. Guess what? It's disrupted. Right. Okay. So my last question for you <laughs> is you, you took over... In January of 2020, right? What what have been the biggest uh, challenges for you personally and for the business? And what what have been the biggest you know surprises or optimistic things? And I'll I'll say I mean it's we and we as well. I mean our company. I feel like we've been moving at a, a pretty quick pace, um, but it's exciting. We're in a, a thrilling industry. Um, I don't think we'll ever fully slow down. Um, so formally took the title of CEO in January. 
But luckily, you know, I, I share an office with my dad. So we're, you know, a couple feet away. So I don't feel like I've got the weight of the world. You know, he's okay. there. Um, I think he's gladly handed over most of the headaches. But, you know, it's it's a wonderful work environment. We have an awesome leadership team. Um, I think everybody keeps that sense of humor with, you know, taking work seriously. Um, but yes, I mean, I feel like I've, I've pretty much been in an executive role probably for the last four years. So it doesn't feel like all of a sudden I've just hit the rapids and I'm freaking right. out. Um, you know, it's challenging times, but we're having fun. Did y'all switch desks? <laughs> we did not. And actually, <laughs> I, 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 I call my office affectionately the ashtray because <laughs> my dad is a heavy smoker. And um, that's, you know, that's probably been the one downside to sharing an office. But um, anybody who knows him, he just, uh, he makes it fun. You know, he's so easy to be with. Um, it, it really is a joy. So I, I take it over happily. I have one follow-up to my final question, which is yeah, how, how many people just describe to me the footprint of Ladder and Bloom here and then statewide? Sure. Um, so in Louisiana, we have about 1,200 agents. Um, as a company, we, you know, home base is New Orleans, founded in New Orleans, but we pretty much span, you know, New Orleans, Greater New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, um, Lake Charles, Alexandria. Um, and about five years ago, we bought a company in Houston, Texas. Okay. And that company, we actually have... 1,600 agents, so technically more agents in Texas than we do in all of Louisiana. Um, and then we operate in um, a little bit of southern Mississippi. So pretty, you know, pretty decent geographic footprint. Um, I don't know, I've said it before, I feel like probably you asked about the challenges or, you know, what, I, I think just being critical, uh, I need to get out more. You know, we are such a relationship business um, and our markets are, are also special that you know, my desire is that I can get out a little more and have a little more belly to belly, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, I have a follow up to my follow up, which is so because you guys have the business in Houston as well, how does residential in Houston compare to residential in New Orleans right now? Is it the same or is it, I, it seems like New Orleans is hotter than a lot of other places for New some Orleans reason? New Orleans is hot, but I can tell you it's like Houston just seems to never stop. Okay. Um, the, the company in Houston is a bit of a different business model. Okay. Um, so the agents there are very used to, you know, our offices are, are basically meet and greet. You know, we have managers, but it's to compare, you know, in Louisiana, we probably have about 130 employees uh, that help service our agents, whether it's, you know, managers, admins, um, our corporate staff, accounting. Whereas in Houston, um, we have about eight employees. So completely different business model. Um, and then to add to that, we actually in um, Louisiana operate a central mortgage, which is um, a mortgage company, um, and we have a joint venture with Robbie Moss um, with insurance. Gotcha. So anyway, last to get our, my hands around, but we have a wonderful team that helps me get it done. Uh, we sure appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at BizNewOrleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.